you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, November 19th, 2021. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, it's another free agent Friday here on the podcast. As every Friday throughout a lot of this offseason, we are going to take a look at one position on the diamond and look at three potential players that the Orioles could pursue in free agency this offseason. Now, we have gone around the infield so far on our free agent Fridays, touching on catcher, second base, shortstop, and third base. Today, we are going to head to the mound for the first of a few episodes where we will talk about pitchers. And today, we're going to take a look at right-handed relievers that the Orioles could bring in this offseason. I'll take a look at three guys that look like they could end up in Baltimore potentially next season. One guy who is a familiar friend of the Orioles, one guy who could use a little bit of a resurgence at this point and is still a young and electric arm, and one guy who uh, we know from the AL East and kind of resurrected his career a little bit in 2021. But That is all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we are the only Orioles podcast out there bringing you O's content five days a week, even here in November in the off season, you wake up any day, Monday through Friday, and there is a brand new episode of Locked on Orioles in your inbox. Again, most episodes drop at 5 a.m. Eastern time every day, Monday through Friday. And if you're liking what you're hearing here on this podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the pod on whatever is your listening platform of choice. And specifically, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app if you can. It really, really helps out the pod, really, really helps me continue to bring you daily Orioles content here on Locked On Orioles. So once again, we thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And your first listen today is about another free agent Friday. And we are going to look at right-handed relievers that the Orioles could bring in this offseason. And listen, Every single year, especially the last couple of years in baseball, the biggest group of players you can bring in are relievers. There are just so many free agent relievers every single year, whether it's guys, you know, coming off their rookie deals or a lot of the time, a lot of these relievers just continuously sign one year contracts. And, you know, a lot of them at most will sign maybe two-year contracts. So they're always cycling through free agency. And a lot of these guys who you know aren't really established closers, but they're still solid MLB relievers, are on different teams year after year. And uh, there's such a, a giant pool of guys to look at. And for me, honestly, this was the toughest one by far to just kind of cut down to three guys to talk about for the Orioles because there's just so many options. And to be honest, you know, there's probably a handful of like seven or eight guys who are outside the Orioles price range here. But other than that, there's 30 plus players that are just right handed relievers going from, you know, very low uh, minor league signings to major league guys that the O's could potentially bring in this offseason. But I was able to cut the list 
down to three. And to be honest with you, I, I stayed a little realistic for these. You know, none of these guys are players who are going to get any kind of big time money this offseason. Uh, none of these guys, I would say, would even sniff, I mean, even $5 million per year on a major league contract. And frankly, there's an argument to be made that two of these three guys could even end up signing minor league deals with spring training invites this offseason. So I tried to keep it relatively, you know, I guess, simple for the Orioles, cheap for the Orioles, realistic for the Orioles. But either way, something the Orioles haven't done as much of the last couple of years is try to bring in some veteran relief talent. And they've done it in roundabout ways with minor league signings. Again, you know, they did bring in a guy like Fernando Abad last year, and he helped the Orioles down the stretch. But overall, I think they need to dip their toe into that pool just a little bit this offseason because I know the Orioles have some established relievers and they have some young starting pitchers who are going to need to get innings out of the bullpen because there are just so many of them. But I think the bullpen can benefit from a couple of veteran guys in there as well. So I've got three, you know, varying levels of veteran guys to talk about. And let's start with a former Oriole potentially coming back to the O's. No, I'm not talking about Darren O'Day. No, I'm not talking about Michael Gibbons, both of which are actually free agents this offseason. Talk about a little bit of a lesser known former Oriole in the right-hander Chaz Rowe. And this could be kind of a perfect fit for the Orioles at this point. Chaz Rowe is 35, just uh, turned 35 years old back in October. And, you know, it's still a question whether or not he has major league innings left in him. But I think this could be a chance the Orioles could take on a guy like Chaz Rowe. Of course, you go all the way back to 2005. He was the 32nd overall pick of the 2005 MLB draft by the Colorado Rockies. It has been quite a journey for Chaz Rowe. And it took him a long time to get to the big leagues. He revamped himself multiple times, had injuries, finally got to the bigs with the Arizona Diamondbacks at age 26 in 2013 after he was drafted at a high school eight years earlier, pitched with Arizona in 2013, pitched a little bit with the Yankees in 2014, and then he made his way to the Orioles in 2015, where he pitched in 36 games out of the Orioles' bullpen in 2015, and in 41 and a third innings, had a 4-1-4 ERA, had a 3-8-6 FIP, and uh, you know only struck out eight guys per nine, though, had about three or four walks per nine in that time. But then he uh, he came back to Baltimore in 2016, and again, just the numbers were not great. He pitched in nine more games out of the pen for the Orioles in 2016, nine and two-thirds innings, had a 3.72 ERA, and then he was gone. He finished that year out uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Then he was with Atlanta in 2017, didn't work out much there. And then the Rays scooped him up at the end of 2017, and he pitched in nine games with the Rays, and that is when things turned around for Chaz Rowe. He went into 2018 at age 31 as a big part of the Rays' bullpen, and all of a sudden, he became the dude with the crazy slider. And in 2019, he had a 4.06 ERA, but he had about 12 Ks per nine, which is what he was able to do in 2017 as well with Tampa Bay. And he kind of formed himself into this fastball slider guy who, you know, doesn't have the greatest numbers in the world. But what he does have is the highest break on his slider of any pitcher in Major League Baseball. And in 2018, he threw 50 innings for the Rays. In 2019, he threw 51 innings for the Rays out of the bullpen. 
But here is the issue for Rowe. It has been an injury-riddled last couple of years for him. In 2020, he threw in just 10 games out of the Rays' bullpen, nine and a third innings. He did have a 2.89 ERA in that time, but again, just nine and a third innings. And in 2021, he pitched in one game. He threw two-thirds of an inning for the Rays this year, and the rest of it was riddled with injury. It was right elbow soreness that kept him out for most of 2020, and then it was a shoulder injury in 2021. He pitched in that one game in the opening week of the season for the Rays and uh, did not look good in two-thirds of an inning. You could tell something was wrong, and he went on the injured list for a while. He rehabbed. He came back uh, on some rehab appearances in June, but then felt more discomfort in mid-June and ended up getting shoulder surgery back on June 30th that put him out for the rest of the season. Now, the word is on Chaz Rowe that he is trending towards being ready for opening day if he is looking to, again, pitch in the big leagues, and you would have to think he is. And again, you know, he's 35 years old, but, you know, he still has that devastating slider. It's a it's a fastball slider guy, and he throws, you know, more sliders then uh, he does fastballs, but that pitch is just ridiculous in terms of its horizontal break. You've probably seen it on places like Pitching Ninja. It was kind of there when he was with the Orioles, but the Rays really brought it out of him like they've done with many pitchers. And for Chaz Rowe, this could kind of be perfect for the Orioles. You get somewhat of a reunion, but also a guy who's coming off shoulder surgery, basically hasn't pitched because of injury in any you know meaningful innings uh, since 2019 he's 35 years old he's probably not even going to command a major league deal the Orioles could probably get him on a minor league deal with an invite to spring training and if Chaz Rowe can do anything close to what he did with the Rays in 2018 and 2019 he's a major league reliever for you that you could pick up on a minor league deal and if he is open to returning to Baltimore that could be the move for the Orioles. And hey, who knows what he's going to be after these elbow and and shoulder injuries, but you look back at 2019, he threw that slider 64% of the time. He got 52 of his about 65 strikeouts with that pitch. Opponents hit just 211 against that slider in 2019 after they hit just 170 against it in 2018 when he threw it about 53% of the time. He is a slider first guy. It is a frisbee pitch. And you know what? If you can get a guy on a minor league deal who maybe just has one elite pitch still, the Orioles will take that. And I think, you know, with that connection of him being here before, this could be a move for the O's to make. Again, it's a low-cost move, but hey, if he can regain any of that form, as I said, like he did in 18 and 19 with the Rays, could be well worth it for the Orioles. But Speaking of the Rays, next up, I want to talk about another pitcher who also has pitched in the Rays for the past and actually had a lot of success against the Orioles in his career, then hit a bit of a rough patch, but this year actually kind of resurrected his career in Milwaukee. We'll talk about who that is and why the O's might want to bring him in coming up after this. So we'll get to our second right-handed reliever that the Orioles could bring in this offseason in just a second, but, uh, you know, Probably this move the Orioles would make won't come before Thanksgiving. But speaking of Thanksgiving, I love it. So much good food, so many good desserts as well. But maybe you want a yummy dessert this year, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, that makes it the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. 
you can feast on something delicious and feel good about it, as one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. And if it's pumpkin pie, it probably doesn't taste good. But the thing about Built Bars is they do taste good, and they're only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% chocolate, and taste delicious. So go get some Built Bars for your Thanksgiving desserts. You can get them at Built.com, and if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So from Chaz Rowe, a guy who has pitched for the Orioles and pitched for the Rays, we move on to the second free agent right-handed reliever that I think the Orioles may want to take a look at, potentially bring in, uh, on a signing in free agency this offseason. And that is another former Rays pitcher. But this guy did not pitch for the Orioles as well, but he did dominate the Orioles. And that is Brad Boxberger, the 33-year-old right-hander who spent last season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, Orioles fans will know him from his days in Tampa Bay after Boxberger was the 43rd overall pick by the Cincinnati Reds in the 2009 MLB draft. He made his debut in the big leagues with the Padres in 2012, uh, pitched in San Diego for two years, then made his way to Tampa Bay, and he pitched with the Rays for four seasons from 2014 through 2017. And in his career with Tampa, he was an Orioles killer. In his career against the Orioles, Boxberger just fantastic numbers in that time. 29 games, 29 innings pitched in that time against the Orioles in his career. A 2.48 ERA against the O's. He has 44 strikeouts to just 8 walks and 10 hits allowed in 29 career innings against Baltimore. So, best way to avoid basically being dominated by Brad Boxberger still? Well, maybe sign him. After Tampa Bay, you know, he was pretty good in that Tampa Bay bullpen at times, uh, especially 2014, uh, which was his best year. He pitched 65 innings for the Rays, had a 2.37 ERA that year, had almost 15 Ks per nine. He was absolutely dominant. Numbers weren't as good the next three years, but they were still pretty solid for him out of the bullpen, and uh, he was a, a big piece. He went to Arizona in 2018, put up some pretty good numbers there, uh, but then the stuff started to slip a bit. He was with the Royals in 2019, pitched only 27 innings, had a 5-4-0 ERA. Then he was with the Marlins, actually, in 2020, threw only 18 innings, did have a 3-0-0 ERA, but his Ks per nine were the second worst number of his career, and a uh, 4-8-6 FIP showed that he was probably a little worse than that ERA showed. But then he went to Milwaukee this year after people had kind of, you know, brushed him aside a bit. And uh, Boxberger showed that he can still be a good major league reliever. In his age 33 season with the Brewers this year, Brad Boxberger threw 64 and two-thirds innings for a division-winning team in the Milwaukee Brewers. It was 71 games he pitched out of the bullpen. He did have four saves. And in 64.2 innings, he had a 3.34 ERA and a 3.65 FIP. He had over 11.5 strikeouts per nine, which was his best number since 2018. He had 3.48 walks per nine, which for him was the third lowest number of his career and the lowest since 2017 with Tampa Bay. He held his home runs down further 
and uh, essentially kind of became a, a little bit of a different pitcher. He had the lowest ground ball rate of his career, but actually seemingly got better for Milwaukee this year. When you think of the Brewers' bullpen, you, of course, think of Devin Williams in the 8th and Josh Hader in the ninth. you know, some of the best back end of the bullpen stuff in baseball. But what you may not realize is it was kind of a three-headed monster at times for Milwaukee this year with Brad Boxberger throwing the seventh inning for the Brewers and then Williams in the eighth and Hader in the ninth. And when you had such a great rotation like Milwaukee had with, of course, Corbin Burns just winning the NL Cy Young and you had Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer, you know, you didn't need many good innings from the bullpen and when they had these three guys at the end you know they were set to go and Brad Boxberger was one of those guys and you know he will definitely I think command a major league deal this offseason I don't think anybody's going to be able to bring him in with a minor league signing just because of how important he was to a division winning team this year but I don't think he's going to be super expensive I wouldn't expect him to get more than five million dollars per year and you know I'd see him probably signing a a two-year contract with somebody. And I think, you know, why not the Orioles? If the O's can get Boxberger for maybe two years and $10 bring him in if he is still pitching at this fairly high level, which he showed with Milwaukee. Obviously familiar with the AL East with, you know, four seasons pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, uh, you know, the stuff looked better. He's a fastball slider changeup guy, and that changeup was kind of always his equalizer of a pitch. But the other thing he changed this year was he threw that changeup less than ever before. This year he was about 56% four-seam fastballs, a pitch that he was throwing at a higher velocity than we've seen in a long time. He was averaging 93.5 miles an hour on his fastball, and that was his best average fastball velocity since 2014. So he had revved it up at age 33 this year. Through that pitch, guys hit only 181 against it. And surprisingly enough, most of his strikeouts came with that pitch. 62 of his 83 strikeouts this season came on that four-seam fastball. And when you look back at the rest of his year's numbers, not really as much how those strikeouts really played out. He was still, you know, mostly a fastball strikeout guy, but He seemed to more and more use that fastball at the top of the zone to get strikeouts this season, and it seemed to work. And then the other thing, as I mentioned with the changeup usage going down, the slider usage went up. He threw the slider about 24% of the time. It was a much harder slider than we had seen in the past, averaged 88 miles per hour for Boxberger, which is the highest velocity he's ever had on his slider. So kind of changed the pitch a little bit. Opponents hit 205 against that slider. And the 24% of the time that he threw it was, once again, the highest uh, percentage that he has ever thrown his slider in a season. And he still had the change up there. He threw that about 20% of the time. It was about an 82, 83 mile per hour pitch. And, you know, opponents still hit 212 against it. It's still a good pitch, but it's not that dominant fall off the table change up he used to have. So he switched up his stuff. You know, he threw the slider more and he was more aggressive with the fastball and it worked out this season and he had an over 33% whiff rate on both that fastball and that slider and when he's 
got those two pitches, but he still has that good changeup in his back pocket. He's still throwing it 20% of the time, which means he still trusts it, maybe just not as much. It's nice to see a guy, you know, into his mid-30s reinvent himself and have it work, not just in a place where, you know, if he was pitching for a bad team last season, you could understand, oh, he reinvented himself, he thought there's nothing to lose, I can try it, and it worked. No, he pitched for a division-winning team, reinvented himself, and became the seventh-inning guy and a lockdown seventh-inning guy for that team. And I think if the Orioles were to bring in Brad Boxberger, here's the other thing with this move. Yes, he was not a closer in Milwaukee. Obviously, with Hayter and Williams there, he was the third option. He had four saves. And in his last three seasons combined, he has five saves between Kansas City, Miami, and Milwaukee. But if you go back to 2018, he was the closer with the Diamondbacks that year. He had 32 saves for the D-backs in 2018. And he was the main closer in Tampa in 2015. He had 41 saves for the Rays in 2015. He's got 81 saves in his career. So the other thing he could bring to the Orioles is that closing experience. And, you know, I don't think Brandon Hyde is going to name like a true closer and have the same closer for the entirety of the 2022 season. He's shown he's not really a guy who's going to do that. And I know, you know, different guys will get those chances, whether it's Cole Salser, Tanner Scott, or Dylan Tate or whoever. But it would be nice to throw another guy in that mix, like Brad Boxberger, who can get some of those save chances. He would be the only guy in the Orioles' bullpen with really legitimate closing experience. And he'd be the veteran reliever in that bullpen who's pitched in the postseason, pitched for good teams, pitched in the AL East against these really good lineups, and has had success back then, and now has reinvented himself to have success now. And I think if the Orioles were going to spend any money on a reliever, Brad Boxberger may be the guy again, you know, maybe around two years and, and eight, nine million dollars uh, can get him in there and, and you can get two solid years out of him to, you know, be a stabilizing force that Brandon Hyde can look to the bullpen and know if he needs key outs. He has not just a guy who's pitching well at the time, you know, like Salser or Fry or Scott, you know, maybe they had good seasons, but they still aren't guys who have a track record. Boxberger would give the Orioles a guy with a track record out there in the bullpen for relatively cheap with closing experience, and he's kind of a new pitcher now. I think this would be a really, really good move for the Orioles to uh, get Boxberger and, again, avoid him slicing up the O's as he's done in his career instead having him pitch for the Orioles in 2022. But we've got one more guy to talk about. And, you know, for the the last uh, free agent right-handed reliever I wanted to talk about up next, kind of went a little further off the radar to a guy who uh, fell out of favor uh, with a couple different organizations over the last couple of years, but still a young right-hander who throws very hard and I think still could make it if he just changed his body of work a little bit. We'll talk about who that is coming up after this. So I'll talk about a third and final free agent right-handed reliever that the Orioles could bring in in just a second. But first, let's tell you about BetOnline.ag, which is back and better than ever. With a new web interface for the start of basketball season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Again, that is promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus from football, basketball, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. And again, you can do it at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Well, on this Free Agent Friday so far, we are talking about right-handed relievers that the Orioles could bring in. And so far, I've talked about two guys with connections to the Orioles. Of course, Chaz Rowe was first to pitch for the O's back in 2015 and 2016. Then it was Brad Boxberger who pitched in the AL East and really dominated the Orioles in his time with the Rays. And this last guy also has a bit of a connection to the Orioles, a little more of a stretch. But this pitcher is the guy who actually gave up the walk-off grand slam to Manny Machado in that 2017 game against the Angels in which Manny hit three home runs, including the walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. And yes, the final right-handed reliever I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, and think the Orioles may uh, be worth taking a shot at signing this guy in the offseason is Keenan Middleton, who is a right-handed pitcher who has pitched for the Angels and the Seattle Mariners and may need just somewhat of a restart, and maybe the Orioles could give it to him. Middleton was a third-round selection of the Angels back in the 2013 draft, and he got to the bigs with Anaheim in 2017 with this really fantastic stuff, you know, a really, really good fastball uh, with high-velocity and, uh, you know, they were excited about it. Came up throwing 97-plus, and he had a pretty good first year with the Angels, 58 innings and a 3.86 ERA in 2017. And uh, then, you know, he had some, some injury issues and uh, really couldn't stay on the field. 2018, he only threw 17 and two-thirds innings with the Angels, but he did have a 2.04 ERA. 2019, only seven and two-thirds innings, but he did have a 1.17 ERA. They just couldn't keep him on the field. And then in 2020, he just started to go the other way. With the Angels that year, 12 innings, a 5.25 ERA, and the strikeouts after having solid K numbers in 2017, about 10 Ks per nine and just about three walks per nine. Every year after that with the Angels, the strikeouts went down and the walks went up. The command was not good after that. And the Angels just, you know, didn't feel like they could use him in high leverage roles after, you know, he was their closer for a bit. He had three saves in 2017 and he had six saves there in 2018 before he went out. And, you know, they were trusting him to be in that role. It just didn't happen. The command went away. And, you know, he just wasn't throwing any more strikes and he wasn't striking guys out when he was getting outs. And it turned into kind of a tough spot for the Angels. So they let him go. And Seattle grabbed him in 2021 and and tried to turn things around. Now, he was a little better, looked a little better. But again, it was just kind of tough to watch. He pitched in 31 innings for the Mariners this season in 32 games out of the bullpen. Now, they did give him a shot to be the closer at one point, and he did end up with four saves for Seattle. But once again, the stuff was just not there. He had only seven Ks per nine. It was the lowest number of his career at 6.97. And five and a half walks per nine. That command still was not great. In the 31 innings, he struck out only 24, and he walked 19 batters while allowing 30 hits. Ended up with a 4.94 ERA and a 4.49 FIP with the Mariners this season. And uh, by the end of the year, was not on that Mariners team in the bullpen when they were you know, pushing in September for that playoff spot. Obviously, just missed out by a couple of games at the end. But 
they couldn't trust Middleton in that role, and, and he lost a role with the Mariners again. So now he is a free agent, and the question is, you know, can he find again what he had in 2017 and then early in 2018 with the Angels before he went out and things just kind of turned around on his career. So Middleton in terms of the stuff, it's a fastball slider change up combination and you know the fastball is a, a high velocity fastball now he averaged only 95.4 miles per hour this year but he was 97.1 on average fastball velocity in 2020 which was the highest of his career but that's where he'll sit 95 to 97 with that fastball but the issue is you know that pitch was getting hammered this year guys hit 298 against it on the season uh, he did get 12 of his 24 strikeouts on that pitch, but it just was not a go-to pitch for him despite him throwing it 58% of the time. Now, the slider is his number two pitch, throws it about 30% of the time, and guys hit about 245 against it, about an 85-86 mile per hour slider. And then there's a changeup he throws about 12% of the time. It's 87-88 with that pitch, and guys did only hit 158 against that changeup this year, but once again, it's seemingly when you watch him, I mean, he's got good stuff. And again, still 28 years old is Middleton, just turned 28 in September. He is still a younger right-hander, and the velocity went down a little bit this year, but not a lot. He's still throwing 95, 96, 97, you know, up to 98 with that fastball. He's still 28. He's got that closing experience. He was an electric, really exciting young arm just a couple of years ago in 2017 and 18 with the Angels. And, you know, with how bad of seasons he's had, he's not getting a major league deal. He's going to get a minor league deal with an invite to spring training from someone. And maybe that someone could be the Orioles, kind of give him a chance to try and revamp himself, you know, be in a very, you know, low stakes spot with the Orioles on a minor league deal and just try to figure things out. You know, he's still got the velocity, he's still got you know, the break on his on his slider. He just needs to figure out that command. The walk numbers have not been good and if he can reel that in again, again, you know, he did give up the walk-off grand slam to Manny Machado in 2017, but really, other than that, he was a really good pitcher for the Angels that year, and he was really good the next year in his, you know, just 18 innings before he went out. And so the question is, can he regain the form of his rookie year, or is this the pitcher that he is now? And for me, I think it would be worth it for the Orioles to just take a chance on a minor league deal bring him up. You know, he still does have minor league options as well if they bring him in and you don't have to put him on the 40 man. You give him the minor league deal. You let him work for it in spring training. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up Middleton is just, you know, he is not going to be on a lot of people's radars because of how bad he has been. And maybe it's a bounce back candidate for the Orioles and then get him at a low price with the minor league deal as well. But just wanted to bring Middleton up because he kind of went from closer the future for the Angels to a free agent with not many teams asking about it. It's been a tough fall for him, but maybe the Euros could be a place where he could bounce back in 2022. But there's your free agent Friday. Three guys, Chaz Rowe, Brad Boxberger, and Keenan Middleton. And again, there's so many more right-handed relievers that the Orioles could bring in this offseason, but I do overall hope they bring in at least one veteran reliever uh, to try and help out this bullpen heading into 2022. But speaking of the bullpen, the Orioles have officially brought back uh, one member of that bullpen with the news breaking on Thursday. Rockabaco of MassInSports.com uh, reporting first that the Orioles have brought back Marcos Duplan 
on a minor league deal with a spring training invite for the 2022 season. And this, you know, not very surprising. We were a little surprised that Deplan was, you know, waived and outrighted off the 40-man roster a couple weeks ago. But when it happened, I said Deplan was maybe the number one choice among guys most likely to return to the Orioles on a minor league deal despite being waived and outrighted. And, you know, Deplan, the 25-year-old right-handed pitcher who actually appeared in the Futures game uh, this summer in Denver, Colorado, representing the Orioles, got to the big leagues finally with the O's this year after uh, the Orioles had uh, picked him up in 2020. And he got to the big leagues, made his major league debut, ended up pitching in 23 games with the Orioles, had a 4-5-0 ERA in 30 innings, 24 strikeouts, 15 walks, 22 hits. He showed some solid stuff. He he had some good moments. He had some really bad moments. But with how young he is and, and how good he was in AAA this year for the Orioles and uh, you know him getting to pitch in the Futures game as well, I like the move by the O's, being able to get him back on a minor league deal. And I have a good feeling we're going to see him back in the big leagues with the O's in 2022. But Marcos Duplan is back with the Orioles on a minor league deal. And one more thing of Orioles news. Well, we found out that Cedric Mullins finished ninth in AL MVP voting with the results coming out Thursday as we're figuring out the last of these awards here this week with Bryce Harper winning NL MVP and Shohei Otani winning AL MVP. Mullins finishing ninth. He got one vote as high as fourth on the ballot. Uh, nobody voted him in the top three, which they you know obviously shouldn't have. But you know it would have been nice to see him get a couple more top five votes. But he does finish ninth, uh, maybe a little further back than he should have been. Uh, but either way, Mullins getting, you know, he was on most people's ballots, uh, but somewhere between, you know, 6th and 10th, uh, which is just incredible to see for a guy like Cedric Mullins. But that'll do it uh, for the week for us. Remember, if you're listening to this on time on Friday, uh, tonight is the deadline for the Orioles to protect prospects uh, from the Rule 5 draft by adding them to the 40-man roster. Orioles currently have eight open spots on that 40-man. They're going to leave at least one or two open for their own picks in the Rule 5 draft. They made DFA people uh, to open more space today. It could be a, a wild day of moves for the Orioles later today. And uh, go back and listen to yesterday, that is Thursday's episode at the end of the pod. Uh, I gave my final predictions on the seven players that uh, I think the Orioles will add to the 40-man roster today to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. But it'll be a big day for Orioles prospects. We'll see who they're holding on to and who uh, could be in danger of being stolen from the O's system, just like Zach Pop was in last year's Rule 5 draft. But again, it's important to remember the fact that we are so worried about protecting prospects and losing them in the Rule 5 draft means something's going right because, you know, we never were really worried about that before. But now the Orioles have the system and the prospects where, you know, you can't keep all these guys and some of them are going to go before they ever get to the bigs with the Orioles. But at the end of the day, that is a good sign for this system obviously being one of the best in baseball. But we'll be back here on the podcast on Monday, and that episode will be all things Rule 5 draft protections. We'll break down the players who the Orioles did add to the 40-man roster to protect. We'll break down the players who they don't end up adding and talk about you know what their chances are of actually being selected in the Rule 5 draft. And obviously with the guys who are added, we'll talk about when they could get to the major leagues. So that's all coming up 
on Monday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.